welcome to Maestros On Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, recorded live at Maestros Cafe, located at the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center in beautiful Cocoa, Florida. Maestros On Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, the concerts, and the personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Today's show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee. Now your host, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau. Top of the morning to you, Eric. Top of the morning to you, Bill. Where are we? What are we doing? We are in the conference room yes. of the River House next to the Inner Sanctum. Yes, we are. And we, who's our special guest today? Aaron Collins. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. This Thank is, you. This is exciting. It's, it's very exciting. It's thrilling for me as well. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I like it because you know what? It adds a certain something. What what is that certain something? Just say it. Hey, let's face it. This is your baby. Okay. You know, you head the thing up. You are the maestro himself. So I can say whatever I want on the air. Yeah. Well, but no swearing. Okay. It's a, hmm. it's a family show. Well, that limits my conversation for the day. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. It, really? Okay. I'm yeah. not going to say. Yeah. Huh. huh. Go figure. Yeah. It's been a strange day. I feel like, for whatever reason, the entire day has been in the Twilight Zone. I feel like it's been an episode of the Twilight Zone. And why is that, pray tell? Uh, where do I begin? I'm sure you guys can relate. Why don't you talk about the manatees? Yeah, 19 gigantic sea cows were stuck. It's <laughs> true. I know. Just the way you are describing sea I cow. I mean, if people could see you describing these manatees. I know. They were. They kept interrupting. You know, last night we were watching what, TV. Okay. It was, it was like what is news. this whole thing about? I haven't heard any. I've been in the office the whole time. So Me what's too. going on? Well, no. Honestly, I've been following this. It's It's been riveting. Anyway, 19 of them are stuck or yeah. were stuck in a storm drain at Satellite Beach. Wow. And I thought, oh, my God. You know, and then some, I guess some kid heard them yelling and screaming. They were crying. Anyway, right. so they were, they were really crying out. And they rescued them this morning. All 19. All 19. All 19. That's awesome. Yeah. There was a, 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 I guess a mother manatee gave birth to this little baby manatee just like a little while before they got stuck. And it was like a big, it was a huge nightmare to get them out of there. Hmm. But they all survived, right? <laughs> wasn't exactly easy. But they all survived. Sounds right? like a soap opera. Yeah, that's like, yeah. you know, I'm, but I'm glad they got him out. I sound insensitive right now because I'm laughing. You but do, the way I'm you're ins- describing it with your ins- hands. I, I sound insensitive myself. Okay. See, ladies well, and good. gentlemen, what you don't realize is uh, Bill made like a little cartoon manatee and put it on the end of this um, rose here. So like he'll like put the manatee under the table and then like raise it up. And <laughs> it's really funny. So maybe It's we'll very look. descriptive. I'm trying to paint a picture. Yeah. So. Yes, you are. So maybe we'll put a picture of the uh, manatee on, up on uh, Facebook. I, I normally don't use props. The reason I'm doing this is because I want it to make things a little lighter. It's been a wacky day. Yeah. Right? I agree. It's been a crazy day for me. On a scale from one to ten? Of craziness? Yeah. Ten. Ten. Well, wow. No. Nine. Nine. I've had crazier. Yeah, you can't go all the way to the top of the chart because you, you have nowhere else to go. Right. Yeah, you need to have I even a think little, nine's a little high, but... Nine's probably a little high. I'm regretting it immediately, but um, nonetheless, it's been a good day. It's been a good day. Um, outside of the craziness, we've got a lot of good things happening here at the Space Coast Symphony, so I'm excited about it. Me too. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Okay. Let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I mean, we have some upcoming concerts. Uh, can I dive a little into the Spizwinks? Sure, oh, sure. Sure. Uh, we have the Spizwinks coming up, and you've talked about them a couple times already. Um, but, you know, they're the youngest underclassmen acapella group in the United States. And they are just a tremendous group of uh, musicians, singers. And I think our audiences were pretty much almost sold out as far as reservations with our tickets. Um, but if any of our patrons that are listening now hasn't got their tickets yet for our Vero Beach or for our Brevard concert, I definitely recommend uh, getting them as soon as possible because it's going to be gone shortly. Yeah, and there's more really- room at Vero Beach, right? Right, we're we're filling up eighteen hundred seats in Vero Beach, but wow. it's uh, 
but I think you know there's about half the tickets left in Bureau Beach, but they're going quickly. So within the next two weeks, they'll be gone. So if you want to go, definitely um, sign up now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to create a sense of urgency with the way I'm speaking. but uh, Well, the, people will realize that it's not just a, a come on or whatever you want to call it. It's real because yeah. this thing does sell out quick. And it's human nature. A lot of people procrastinate. Oh, man, I wish I would have done it just a little bit early. This is one of those things that you will wish you have done if you don't get your ticket now. Yeah. So that's going to be a really terrific program. So we'll talk about the dates later. Um, and we also made a programming change. Eric mentioned it in the last show, which... Uh, yes, I spilled the beans. You spilled time. the beans. Well, we've changed from the Manfred Symphony, Tchaikovsky's uh, Manfred Symphony. We switched to Tchaikovsky 5. Yes. We did it for several yes. reasons. Uh, um, some of them were technical reasons. Uh, the organ that closes the symphony it just wasn't um, adequate, I thought, for the artistic vision we were really going for uh, that particular piece. So we, we made some changes. We performed it in our first season, and it was a huge success. And it's a great piece of music. So uh, I think our audience is going to just uh, love hearing us do it again. Uh, Tchaikovsky Symphony mm-hmm. Number no. 5. So, uh, How can you not love Tchaik 5? You've, you're already using the lingo. I'm using Chike the lingo. Five. Yeah, uh, you, uh, It's an incredible piece of music. It's tragic, and then it goes to absolute bliss and it just has youthful energy and exuberance as well. I mean, it ha- the symphony has it all. It's kind of it's uh, it's a warhorse symphony, but it's it's full of just drama, excitement, and passion, and everything only Tchaikovsky can give you. And that's the great thing about Tchaikovsky. He was always self-aware, doubted himself, but through that, he wrote some incredibly beautiful music that just you know redefines beauty. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking at your thesaurus right now. And I'm just pulling out words as I go, but I, I mean every single word. Not all of that. When you said, let me, let me, let me clarify, if I must. Uh, when you said, it has it all. Yeah. I agree. Chike 5 has it all. It has it all. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thrilled to do it again. And I think all the musicians are, too. It's a real fun piece to play for them. And and one that I can't wait to start investigating again. Well, we understand that you had an incredibly uh, interesting interview with William Rogan. Yeah, it was yeah. interesting. Yeah? On a scale from 1 to 10. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's unfair. I don't want you to <laughs> pretend I didn't ask that question. Okay, okay because then I'd probably have to ask that for everybody else. I'm not going to. Thank you. All right, so I didn't ask the question. Yeah, William is our uh, development director. And he's also a French horn player within the orchestra. He's also involved in several nonprofits. And uh, yeah, he had we had a great interview talking about his life in music, what he does now, and uh, his second life as well. So I think yeah. I like to think of him as Doctor Rogan. Yeah, Doctor Rogan's a good description. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. We uh, carpooled up to the Dennis DeYoung thing on Saturday. The Colleen and. William and I, so you know, talked a long time. He's an interesting guy. He's really had a lot of experience. Was that the concert? Yeah. How was that? It was good. Yeah, fun. Well, you know, you're kind of on the edge of your seat because yeah. you know it was like the third show, like the three shows, and you, the rehearsal you only have like, I mean, it was only maybe like an hour and a half rehearsal. Right. You didn't even like run through the pieces. So. I grew up with those guys. So you're like on the I edge love of that your music. seat. Sticks he is does awesome. A, yeah. He does a great show. They're very theatrical too. It's well, not this just is music. more. Not as theatric, you know. It's basically Dennis DeYoung. He's you know, his greatest yeah, hits, right? His because you know, he wrote all those hits. He's yeah. got the new, the new band. The I was really impressed with their drummer. The drummer was like rock solid. So he's a full on percussionist, really. Well, the, well, the drummer that they uh, <clears throat> had in his band. Well, Dennis DeYoung plays. You know, he's a keyboardist, right? But, but he, I mean, the drummer was really solid, right? He was the newest member of the band. He was really good. Who but, is he? Do you know? I forget his name. We're in the back uh, row. Must have been memorable. We're in the back row. You know, just keeping up. You know. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's go to the interview.
This is Aaron Collins, Artistic Director of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra, and today we're joined by Dr. William Rogan, a wonderful horn player. He is also the Development Director of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Welcome, William. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. That's my pleasure. Before we get into everything, I guess, uh, we're going to talk a little about uh, your history, how you found music. Uh, well, it I guess my first exposure was through a, uh, a series of records that my uh, uh, my mother had actually subscribed to. Uh, once a week, you could uh, purchase a, an album with um, a specific composer on it, and uh, uh, kind of like the Book of the Month Club type of thing. And uh, I listened to them, and I was just in awe of the sound, and it just transported me to someplace someplace very special, very different, and uh, so I just loved it. I loved the intricacy, the uh, the timbres, and uh, the the programmatic aspect of, of the music also. Even in the uh, absolute or uh, non-programmed uh, type of music, there was still, uh, I felt, a uh, uh, another layer to it, a spiritual layer to it. And so that... Uh, uh, that that's what attracted me initially. Did it happen over time? It was, I would say, immediate. I was um, in awe of the sound. Uh, never heard a symphony orchestra before outside of uh, radio, television, and, of course, sound quality was not at the, uh, the, the sophisticated level it is today. So, um, But still, still, I was just uh, overwhelmed by it. Yeah. Okay. So when did you actually begin your uh, life in music? Did you pick up the horn or did you sing or play the piano? Well, it's kind of a funny story. Okay. Uh, at, the, uh, uh, at the time, there was a, um, an opportunity for, for kids to sell uh, greeting cards. And um, if you sold enough boxes of greeting cards, then you could choose a prize. And... Um, so uh, I ordered these greeting cards. I don't know how many boxes. There were 12 boxes, I think. Of, and I tried selling them to all the neighbors. And, of course, uh, I was not a great salesman. And uh, still I'm not. Huh. And so, um, actually, my mother wound up buying all of the, uh, the greeting cards. And then I could pick a, uh, a prize. And the prize I chose was a bugle. And so um, I think it was like eight years old or something like that. And uh, I was thrilled with this bugle when it came, and it's just uh, um, I was the, I was the one who blew the charge on the playground when when the boys chased the girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, from there I went to uh, uh, playing the trumpet in elementary school, and um, um, I wasn't all that great a trumpet player, but I still loved being uh, being part of the band. But I fell in love with the horn. A friend of mine, um, he sat in front of me playing the, uh, the horn, the French horn, and uh, I just loved that, uh, that instrument. I loved the looks of it, the sound of it. Um, it just, uh, that it spoke to me. Yeah. And um, there were no horns, no instruments available. So um, I think it was at 14 at this time. And 
so I put in a request for uh, for a horn, and at the end of the school year, uh, one of them became available, and uh, so I took it home over the summer and practiced on it, <clears throat> and uh, I was just so uh, so in love with this instrument. I practiced a lot, I guess, because I wound up as first chair in the band when I came back for the next uh, for the fall. And um, just uh, pretty much went all downhill from there, I guess. I know what you mean. I actually started out on trumpet, too, and then moved over to French horn when I started in middle school. So I fell in love with the French horn just like you did. It's, a, it's an awesome instrument. Yeah, yeah. And from a pedagogical standpoint, it's actually um, uh, it's a good way to go because it's a, it's a large instrument. It's difficult for children, small children to hold. And uh, when they try to play it, if they're too small... Uh, their their embouchure, uh, the, the way the lips sit on the on the mouthpiece, uh, usually isn't proper and uh, causes problems later on. But um, yeah, and then I was uh, I was encouraged all along to uh, to continue playing and uh, took private lessons. Awesome. Any experience? I mean, what was your experience in college on horn? My first. I attended a state university college in New York for music ed. and um, okay. So you my, wanted to be a teacher? Well, that was the idea. That was the fo- the, the, uh, the, well, the safety net, I guess you'd call it, sure. that my, uh, my parents insisted on. I wanted to be a professional uh, musician. And right. uh, they said, well, that sounds great, but uh, you really need to find something that may... Um, may support you if that doesn't work out. Right. That's, I think, every parent says that to any music uh, performance major. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's, um, in my case, uh, I was not happy. Right. Uh, and uh, so I went through the program, and um, I did it for three years, and then I dropped out. And uh, after a couple of years, went back to school, this time as a performance major in um, in Manhattan at the Manus College of Music, and uh, got a bachelor's there. Uh, in performance. I got a master's degree in performance at Queens College, City University of New York, and later in life went back to uh, back to school when I was living in Germany to get a doctorate. And I got, um, uh, I earned that doctorate in musicology and in English and American literature. And uh, but coming back to New York, um, I lived there and freelanced for a while and decided that I was not happy living in the city. I uh, was not happy working as a freelancer and uh, wanted something more secure. So um, I left for uh, for Ireland, actually, and worked there for three years. Uh, I'm sorry, three years, three months uh, with the radio orchestra there. And uh, from there... Uh, went to to Germany and uh, lived and worked in Germany for 22 years. Wow. And what was your experience like over there? Well, it was, uh, for a musician, it was, it was paradise almost. It yeah. was, it was uh, um, I worked a lot. I mean, I worked a lot in a good way. Um, I played a lot. Uh, had a very secure position uh, with a symphony and opera orchestra, and I managed to uh, to get a lot of uh, gigs with other symphony, opera, chamber, orchestras, uh, worked as a soloist, uh, solo, uh, soloist recitalist, um, held seminars. So it was a very, very active uh, musical scene. Uh, this is a very strong musical heritage and culture in Europe, of course, and uh, I was very happy there. Um, and as I said, I stayed there for 22 years, so I guess I, I was okay. And um, but decided that uh, at some point that I I'd really like to return back, uh, come back to the states. Yeah, and did you find that when you went over to Europe that your playing or your uh, thoughts on music changed uh, over time compared to when you were over here in the states? Yes. Um, well, of course, uh, because I was uh, I was very interested in musicology, music history, and historic performance practice. Um, that that influenced my uh, my playing and my career as well. But in general, I think stylistically, um, European uh, uh, horn playing is very different from American horn playing. Right. 
And uh, when I studied in New York, I studied with um, <clears throat> a very well-known, uh, highly respected uh, player, Paul Ingram, and he played uh, on the type of instrument I, uh, I really, really liked and uh, just loved his playing, which was very European. Uh, so I felt more comfortable, actually, in Europe as a musician, as a horn player, than, uh, than I did in the States. Huh. Interesting. We're going to go on into a kind of a completely different realm. Uh, you're involved in several nonprofits here in Brevard County, two great nonprofits. First, Friends of Children. Can you tell me a little about your involvement with Friends of Children? Sure. Um, I serve on the board of uh, Friends of Children of Brevard County. Uh, we are a 501c3, a uh, nonprofit that supports the, the, uh, the Guardian Ad Litem program uh, in the 18th District Court here. Um, what we do is we raise funds uh, that ultimately uh, benefit uh, children uh, who are abused, neglected, or in some cases abandoned, and um, uh, appoint, appointed by, uh, well, a guardian. Let me go back. A guardian, a guardian ad litem, is, uh, is a court-appointed, uh, well, somebody who, a volunteer, who whose sole interest is uh, representing the the welfare of the child. These are children that are taken from uh, familial situations, uh, from broken homes. Sometimes the parents uh, are in dispute or um, there's uh, uh, domestic uh, violence involved. In any event, <clears throat> these children are, uh, are deprived of a, uh, a normal childhood. And the guardian is charged with ensuring that the child's welfare is uh, taken care of. And uh, the state, uh, state of Florida, provides for the children, but can only provide so much. And in the cases of, uh, say, for example, um, diapers or uh, a mattress, a bed, bicycle, um, summer camp, things like this that uh, that we take for granted, or most of us take for granted as being part of a normal childhood, many of these children do not have that, and the state is not able to provide that. So we raise funds that ultimately go to the children to, to, uh, to purchase these things or to uh, provide for summer camp and other things, theater visits, um, things like that. Awesome. And if, any, if anybody in the county wants to get involved with this nonprofit, wants to participate, uh, how can they get in touch well, with you? Well, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, uh, the easiest way is to visit our website, which is friendsofchildrenofbrevard.org. Okay. Friendsofchildrenofbrevard.org. And you can find more information there about volunteering, uh, about opportunities to donate, uh, we're always grateful for any donations, and of course, everything is tax uh, deductible. Um, we have a uh, an associate board, which um, allows uh, volunteers to participate a little bit more intensively than they would normally as a volunteer. Uh, they're part of the organization, but they're not required to attend board meetings. There's no uh, there's no fee involved. It doesn't cost you anything. Uh, your input is is uh, is highly valued, and uh, and we need people for that as well. Uh, you can either work uh, staffing events at helping out at uh, uh, at tables at events, or uh, even work from home sometimes, just making phone calls or mailing letters or what have you. So um, I would suggest first uh, visiting that that site. So it's friends of children of brevard.org now let's talk about another nonprofit you're involved with and that's pronica tell me a little about that yes pronica is an organization it's a um uh, also another 501c3 an ngo non-governmental organization that is uh, quaker based and uh, uh its purpose or the mission of of the organization is to help Nicaraguans help themselves. What we do is uh, we have, for example, a, uh, a beauty school 
in uh, in Managua. Um, there's um, there are homes uh, for for children and for abused uh, women. Um, there are well, the, the beauty school, for example, beauty school was created as a um, alternative for um, uh, for women in the sex industry. Instead of uh, working as prostitutes, um, they could learn to uh, to cut hair and, and do these other things and make more money. And uh, so they were taken from the streets, and, uh, of course, their lives improved, and they're helping themselves that way. That's great. Yeah, and uh, you can find out more information about that organization also at Pronica, that's P-R-O-N-I-C-A dot org. Awesome. All right, so we're going to jump back into music here. Now, you're playing with the Space Coast Symphony. You've played with us uh, several, quite a few concerts. I say several, but it's been many concerts, and I love having you in the horn section. Is there any experiences within the Space Coast Symphony or, or concerts that stand out in your memory? Well, they all do for uh, for various reasons. I mean, every concert does, and some of them uh, disappear into the, the dark Netherlands of my uh, my memory as yeah. time goes on. But, you and me both. <clears throat> yeah, but uh, the thing that makes... Uh, that I appreciate about playing in the orchestra and what I enjoy most is um, supporting the mission. I believe in, in uh, the, uh, the symphony for everyone. I believe that music is, uh, music is not a, uh, a privilege. Uh, it's uh, something that, uh, that we all can enjoy and should enjoy and should not be withheld from, from us for financial reasons or whatever. So I, um, I'm very happy to uh, to be part of that. I'm I'm completely with you. What's your thoughts on chamber music? I know you love chamber music, and uh, just give our listeners an idea of what makes chamber music so attractive to musicians. That makes it so much um, different from symphonic playing. Right. Well, for wind players, I think it's a little bit. Um, a chamber music is is somehow uh, closer to. Uh, performing in a symphony than for string players. Uh, usually we are, as a wind player, one on a part, so we're responsible for our own voice, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, string players usually play in an ensemble uh, or section of, uh, of many. Um, it's a totally different uh, concept. And um, But having said that, I think it's the... It's the intimacy of, of chamber music that I uh, that I really really love, and it's the ability to um, to create something, to be part of something uh, for which I am directly responsible. Uh, I'm able to uh, to to pour my whole heart into it and uh, and play against other players, uh, not not in a competitive way, but um, uh, bouncing ideas, musical ideas back and forth. And uh, so um, I think uh, it's that. It, it's it, Well, the, the key word, I think, is intimate. Uh, it's an intimate experience for, for a chamber music performer. It's always in an intimate uh, environment. It's, um, it's very difficult to perform chamber music in a large hall. It just right. doesn't work. Uh, so... Um, and it also goes back to the early roots of music, which I f- strongly feel connected to.
Yeah. Okay. Speaking of roots, uh, you mentioned that you're connected to that era of music. Now, what's your favorite musical period? Um, it depends on my, my mood. It depends sure. on uh, the time of the day also. And, uh, uh, but uh, having, well, being a horn player, uh, I'm primarily concerned with uh, the period from uh, the classical until to, uh, to today. today. Um, so I would say that most of... Uh, most of the music I, I really enjoy or can relate to is from the late classical through the romantic period. But having said that, uh, I do. Um, uh, I'm just. I stand in, in awe of Bach and uh, uh, Bach, Telemann, Handel, um, the Baroque composers. Um, even Renaissance music is uh, something that that I find deeply moving. So. Um, but from a professional standpoint, what what I perform or or can perform is primarily limited to those those periods from the advent of the valve, uh, primarily. Telling you that uh, Aaron Collins sure knows how to give an interview. Wait, we're here with Aaron. Aaron, that was Aaron. That was a gr- great so yes, far. Yes, yes. Your transitions are uh, are great. Thank you. It's really interesting listening to him talking about playing overseas in Germany. That's something's really interesting. Yeah, Dr. Rogan, right, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he had an interesting career. Uh, just not only just a great horn player, teacher. He teaches at uh, FIT, and uh, he does a lot of things in the community outside of the symphony. I mean, he has like ten businesses. I think he talks about that in the second half of the interview. And uh, so, yeah. Great guy. Well, I got. I have to admit, it's a pleasure working with Dr. Rogan. Can I say Dr. Rogan? You can. You've said it five times. I think you just (laughs) said Dr. Rogan. Thank you. Yes, Um, it is a pleasure working with him. He's uh, he's always uh, he's always a nice guy, but he's real interesting. You know, but he's very serious, Dr. Rogan. Well, I think you have to be serious to be a doctor. You know, you can't be like a goofball like us, you know. It's right. like the guy with the cane coming <laughs> yanking you off stage as you. Uh, but by all means. Yeah, he's very serious. Yeah, he, he is. is. He's very serious. But if you listen to what he says, I mean, it is. It's in depth. You know, he's a, he's a deep guy, deep thinker. Right. Yeah, and the second half of the interview is even better, so. Well, we're looking forward to that. Thank you. What do we have coming up as far as the dates of these uh, shows? You want the actual dates of these concerts? Sure, the dates, the locations. I mean, I'm sure everybody knows by now, but we want to make absolutely certain that nobody has excuses for not attending. I think that's an excellent idea. So if you uh, are going to the Spizwinks, which I would highly recommend that you do. The Spizwinks. Spizwinks. We have uh, March 11th in beautiful Vero Beach at 7.30 p.m., and then the next evening, March 12th, at the beautiful Scott Center, also at 7.30 p.m. So those are your spizzles. The Scott time. Center. Right, right off the Pineda. In Melbourne. Exactly. Well, right. Sundry, but it's Melbourne. You're right. And these are uh, free concerts. Just want to point that out. And that tickets can be reserved through our website. And or they can call our uh, toll-free number, 855-252-7276. Get tickets there and... Uh, yeah, can't wait to see everyone then. Right, but hurry, hurry. Don't procrastinate. This is one of those things, not to try to sound redundant, but you will wish you had gotten your tickets if you get to a point to where, oh, I'm sorry, we're sold out. Even though they're free, time is of the essence. Right. It's so, our gift to the community. Yeah, you know, take advantage of it. Go, by all means. These are not just run-of-the-mill concerts. These are big, really great performances worth seeing. Well, thank you for laying it out. I'd also like to point out that we're sponsoring some master classes, which I think is really great for the community, especially for the students in the community. It's uh, part of our educational outreach. And uh, the Spizwinks will be working with some choral students in the high schools, and they will have that opportunity to to kind of share their input and uh, go over some techniques and also share the stage with the Spizwinks at the very end of the concert. And I think that's awesome. So well, can't wait for that's that. That's great. I didn't, know, uh, I didn't know anything about that. Well, now you do. Now I do. See, uh, Aaron's just a font of knowledge, see? You have him on, then we learn all about the little stuff. So, 
50 years. I want to talk about, before we get into anything else, the Melbourne Municipal Band. 50 years uh, in the community. Uh, they just had their 50th anniversary concert at the King Center. It was a free concert. I heard it was packed. I didn't have the opportunity to go, but I think that's awesome. Just wanted to say how awesome that was, and you guys are... Right, happy your enthusiasm birthday. is glowing on your face. <laughs> happy 50th anniversary. No, I was waiting until you talked. I don't want to interrupt, but wow, that's, uh, that's yeah, happy 50th. Right, they're it, almost as old as I am. Yeah, well, it's they've been around. They've gone through different stages, but they've been putting on concerts, I think like 14 to 16 concerts a year. Um, and that's just the bands. But then there's the Swing Time Jazz Band. There's all their small ensembles, and uh, they've got a great thing going. They've got a great board of directors, and they've got a great conductor in Stacy Cleveland. And, and I think it's 90 to 100 members in the band. And Did you know that, Eric? I knew bits and pieces, but Aaron has elucidated it but all. But did you know there together. were 90 to 100 members in the band? I didn't know the exact numbers, but I know it's a big band. Yeah. You've played with the band before. Yeah, but, sub- substitution. yeah but I don't pay attention to how many people. I'm in the back row, you know, so I don't really count heads. But you know, uh, I just <laughs> wanted to say congratulations to the Melbourne Municipal Band. I, uh, they've been doing a lot for our community, and so congrats and happy birthday. Very Absolutely. Congrats. Happy 50th. and uh, Very few groups can uh, lay claim to that, 50 years. That's a real milestone. It's on to uh, the Aaron Collins-William Rogan interview. Let's talk a little about your role as development director of the Space Coast Symphony. You came aboard about a year and five months, something like that, in that role. I've been counting. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I've done great things for us. And uh, tell me what you do as development director. I probably am not uh, a good example of a development director per se. Uh, Development director, uh, the title usually applies to someone uh, who does it full-time and uh, um, seeks uh, sponsors on an active basis, builds uh, an endowment, um, those sort of things. And, And I just simply don't have the time for that. So I do what I can. But um, I would say that my strong suit is perhaps in uh, establishing contacts and and networks that uh, will ultimately benefit the orchestra that have a a long-range goal. And um, so I see... Uh, it's it's sometimes frustrating because it doesn't move fast enough for me, but I understand that it's a it's a process and uh, I have to be patient. But uh, um, that's primarily what I do. What do you think of this county and uh, and its arts? I think I think the arts uh, in in Brevard are in a state of uh, of good health. I think uh, it's um, it's a it's a very vibrant scene, and it's you it's well, it's Florida's longest county. It's one of the largest counties in Florida, and um, it's um, the, the the palette from which you can choose is is really great. Um, you have stretching geographically from Titusville down to Palm Bay. Uh, all sorts of uh, musical and visual uh, offerings and and, uh, uh, theater. Uh, There's something happening everywhere throughout the county, and and it's growing. Uh, I think with the... um, When uh, the situation at the the Kennedy Center changed and uh, many people left, I think, of course, there was uh, an economic setback, and I think that affected the arts as well. But... I think we've rebounded, and I'm very happy to be here. I've, as you said, I've lived in various parts of uh, the world and uh, various parts of Florida as well, and I'm very happy here. I'm very comfortable, and um, uh, I think the Space Coast Symphony is one of the highlights of uh, of the art scene in uh, in Brevard or in uh, in Florida or in, in the country for that matter. There are only a handful of orchestras that have a year-round season, 
uh, as uh, Space Coast Symphony does. Uh, we're a professional orchestra. And above all, I, I really cherish the, uh, the mission of the symphony. Thank you. You also, in addition to being a horn player, you also have your hands in all kinds of other businesses and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and running a, a second life. Uh, tell us a little about your second life. Okay, um, kind of like a cat, I guess. Uh, Absolutely, right. right? Yeah, I have uh, I have other interests, right? I technically, I suppose, I'm retired, but I I uh, I find it hard to fit everything into one day. So I think of retired as retired, um, and um, I have uh, a couple of other businesses in which I partner uh, and. A couple that I own uh, myself, uh, two real estate brokerages, um, a um, real estate development company, a uh, consulting company, which I'm now forming with another partner. What else? Oh, so I've got some online businesses as well. And um, these things occupy my time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Now we're going to do uh, just a few questions, quick questions. Sure. Uh, do you have a favorite composer? Well, as I said before, no, not really. Um, it, it depends on how I feel during the, you know, at, at a, any given point in, in time. I, but uh, um, you can name one. Okay, Mahler. Okay, Mahler. Sure. Mahler, Mahler, Bruckner, um, the, the heavyweights. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there a particular piece that just sticks in your mind every time you play it, perform it, or hear it that it is just it's bliss every time. Well, there's one piece that um, that has had a profound effect on me every time I play it, and uh, it's, there's this little story that goes along with, it. and that's Mahler's Resurrection Symphony, the second. Yeah, I um, I was living in Germany at the time when found that my my father had just passed away, and I was called back uh, on short notice to uh, to come take care of uh, the funeral and all. The arrangements, and I was very, uh, very shook up about that. Very, uh, very affected. Uh, was in a very emotional state uh, for the whole time, and uh, because it was not expected. And when I returned back to Germany to uh, to go back to work again, the first thing that I had to play. Uh, the first thing on the program was Mahler's Resurrection Symphony. And um, as you know, uh, the last movement is um, uh, in German. Well, in the English translation is uh, um, Rise Up. And uh, there's a chorale, a beautiful chorale at the end. And I could barely get through that, uh, playing that symphony in concert, because of the effect it had on me. So that's that's an emotional um uh well an emotional moment that uh, that still uh, lives deeply within me
sharing that. Okay, so we're going to just to recap a little bit. Uh, Friends of Children, uh, you can find more information about them at friendsofchildrenofbrevard.org. Uh, Pronica, you can find out information at, uh, about them at P-R-O-N-I-C-A, pronica.org. Other than that, William, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you were here. Thank you, Aaron. was a really good selection oh yeah i love Mahler too that was a great idea to end the interview with that yeah well he had such a poignant story about uh his father and uh the connection there uh, Mahler's second symphony it's called the resurrection symphony i didn't know if you know that but uh it actually wasn't titled the resurrection symphony um it just was added later uh it was written in i think 1888 1890 somewhere around there and it's one of Mahler's larger works. I think it's 90 minutes. Uh, it's written for two soloists, chorus, orchestra, 
and it's a gigantic orchestra. And I mean, there's mm-hmm. some odd instrumentation things like uh, the different uh, tuned tam-tams at the end right. where they alternate at the mm-hmm. end and just a lot of things that uh, you don't hear in, in symphonic works. It's very specific. Yeah, my Thank favorite you. part's the low brass chorale. That's in the my, end. Yeah, that's my favorite. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, that's I my mean, favorite part. It was one of his works that had to pertain to the beauty of the afterlife. And Mahler was very, very much attracted to uh, the afterlife, death, things of that nature, and just the beauty of life in general. And this symphony captures it all. And uh, yeah, so that was six minutes of the finale of the Resurrection Symphony. Wow. That would be great to play someday. You'd really want to? Oh, yeah. I yeah. love Mahler You've too. played Mahler 2 before. Mm-hmm. No? No. I played Mahler 1 and then when we did Mahler 5. I yeah. played Mahler 1 before. Have you done 8? Colleen has done 8. See, 8 is the, the most yeah. rare of the symphonies to be yeah, performed did, just because uh, of the size. It's called the Symphony of a Thousand. Yeah, she did 8. This orchestra that... She was in in California. They did a Mahler symphony every year. That's awesome. So, Eric, if you have really wanted to play Mahler too, why haven't you? It's a big, uh, it's a big deal. For one thing, you get the chorus. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Uh, We when we're programming the season, you know, you want to just kind of throw everything that out there. There's so many great pieces of music, and it's just a careful balance of. Programming, And I think we'll do a whole show coming up in the near future about programming uh, the season. And that's when we'll kind of announce our 2015-16 season. And we'll talk about the conception behind programming. I think that'll be really interesting for our listeners. That's a good idea. Yeah. And I don't want to spill the beans. I just came up with that on the spot. Really? Yeah. Because I like that. I think the more somebody is able to see behind the scenes, I just feel... You know, a little closer to it. There's a lot of things that go into it, and yeah. uh, so we'll do Mahler two one day. Um, and that's what you're known for, Bill. What's behind that? the scenes. I love behind the scenes. Yeah, behind yeah. the scenes. Think of me as the average guy in the street. I love behind the scenes. You're like the dark stranger in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. I feel like the dark stranger in the corner. Well, good. Well, we have some really, really good stuff coming up. Let's listen to a clip from the Spizwinks. Here's Grace Kelly. I want to talk to you. The last time we talked to Mr. Smith, you reduced me to tears. I promise you it won't happen again. Do I attract you? Do I repulse you with my queasy smile? Am I too dirty? Am I too flirty? Do I like what you like? I can be wholesome. I can be loathsome. Guess I'm a little bit shy. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me without making me try? I try to be like Grace Kelly, but all the looks were too sad. So I tried a little Freddie. I thought I'd entertain. I could be brown, I could be blue, I can be viral and sky, I can be hotball, I can be purple, I can be anything you like. Gotta be clean, gotta be mean, gotta be everything more. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? Why don't you walk out the door? Getting angry won't solve anything. How can I help it? How can I help it? How can I ever? What do you think? Hello, my baby. Hello, my baby. Putting my life on the brink. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? Why don't you like yourself? Should I bend over? Should I look older just to be put on your shelf? I try to be like Grace Kelly, but all the looks were too sad. So I tried a little Freddie. I'm not an entity man. I could be brown, I could be blue, I can be violet sky, I can be hotball, I can be purple, I can be anything you like. Gotta be green, gotta be mean, gotta be everything more. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? Why don't you walk out the door? Say what you want to satisfy yourself. Hey! But you only want what I can be violet sky, I can be apple, I can be purple, I can be anything you like. Gotta be green, gotta be mean, gotta be everything more. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? Why don't you walk in the door? I can be brown, I can be blue, I can be violet sky, I can be apple, I can be purple, I can be anything you like. 
Gotta be green, gotta be mean, gotta be everything more. Why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? Walk out the door. Humphrey, we're leaving. Ka-ching! Let's go over those dates. You want the uh, specific dates again, or would you like uh, Chike 5 again? I'd like it all again. All right. Give it to me. Give it to all me right. straight, doctor. I can take it. By now, people should already have their pens ready so they can write this stuff down. But uh, let me review the Spizwink dates for you in case you're, you know, you're in the bathroom or whatever and missed it earlier. March 11th <laughs> in Vero Beach at 7.30 p.m. and March 12th at the beautiful Scott Center at yes. 7.30 p.m. Yes. Yes. And then our next concert after that is Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony which is March 21st in beautiful Vero Beach. Chike 5. At, um, Chike 5 at 7 o'clock. And then uh, March 22nd at the Scott Center at 3 p.m. And then also we're going to have a string quartet with that that Aaron could elaborate with with Daniel Askarov. And he's going to be back on the show too. I'm not sure when, but... Yes, please elaborate. I'll elaborate shortly. Uh, Louis Spohr wrote a string quartet concerto. He's written a lot of works. He's got a huge catalog. Um, This is a string quartet concerto. So you have a string quartet, which consists of two violins, a viola, and a cello. And they're going to be performing with the orchestra. Uh, So you have them paired with the orchestra. And it's a really tragically beautiful and 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 also very happy at the same time it's one it's a great piece and uh so we have daniel askrov he's an israeli violinist he's a sensation at the moment he's performing all over the place he's gonna be paired with carrie mormon our concert master and we'll also have paul flurry who's our principal cellist and we're also bringing in william goodwin who's a uh, violist and he's wow. just uh been accepted as the principal of the ulster orchestra which is uh, one of the great orchestras over in Europe. So uh, we have a really great group of musicians performing, and and the audience is going to love the the pairing of the two pieces. It's over. Anyway, it's just about over. It's not quite over. This is Bill Trudeau. And Eric Lee. And Aaron Collins. And Jeremy Hickman. Saying, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you at, at the, the show. show. You've been listening to Maestros On Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Remember, you can support the symphony in many ways, including a visit to Maestros Cafe, located just inside the main entrance to the Brevard Central Library and Reference Center, 308 Forest Avenue, Cocoa, Florida. Maestro's Cafe serves a variety of coffee and other drinks, as well as breakfast and lunch selections, and is open most days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., with extended hours on Tuesday and Thursday, closed Sunday. For more information about the symphony or upcoming concerts, like us on Facebook, or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show.